calling all campers, Leslie Samuel here, your camp director, back again to get you pumped up for something awesome. It's that time again, it's time for Creator Camp 2024. We took everything you loved from last year and stepped it up a notch. Yet we're back and better and man oh man, we're excited to have you join us. Now you may be asking, what's in store for this year's Creator Camp? Well, let me paint a picture for you. Imagine an epic kickoff party where new friendships spark and old ones rekindle. Imagine rubbing shoulders with not just the awesome workshop leaders, but also the amazing Ecamm team. Imagine having interactive, hands-on sessions where industry leaders share insights in fields that you're passionate about. Well, you just imagine Creator Camp 2024. Reconnect with the Ecamm fam, and of course, meals and beverages are all a part of your journey with us. Expect exciting activities and local excursions. What is it gonna be this time? Wine tasting, scavenger hunt, an evening of stargazing? <laughs> I'm not telling, at least not yet. This year's Creator Camp isn't just an event, it's an adventure. The Ecamm fam is taking over Amesbury, Massachusetts again, and trust me, you wanna be right there in the middle of the magic. So pack up your essentials, your laptop, your camera, and of course your energy, and gear up for an unforgettable escapade at Creator Camp 2024. We can't wait to see all your smiling faces back together again. We'll see you at Creator Camp. Let's do this. fam thanks so much for hanging out with me today and hey thank you so much we had so much going on in the world of ecamm that we had to move this to an hour later than normal and we're doing a little bit of a different format for today's episodes i think we have enough flow riders in the comments that that can help us with this particular project as many of you know Doc is in San Diego. He's at Social Media Marketing World with a whole slew of our favorite people who are speaking and sponsoring and participating in that event. And we've been talking about doing a mailbag episode for a while. And the original concept was that we were going to have you all send in questions and we would record an episode that we could use for when things get really crazy like today so we could just be off <laughs> and not be live streaming if, you know, if we were too busy or things happened. But I figured... I'm available today and I, I'm looking at the weather now. It's still holding out. My power has not yet gone off here in the middle of a typical New England snowstorm. So I thought, what better way than to just live record? That's what we do, right? So we're going to live record everyone's questions and we will turn this into our mailbag episode. And if we get a whole bunch of questions, then we can use some of these uh, to create, you know, future recorded episodes that we can kind of keep in the back closet for when, for when another one of these opportunities pops up. But I am here hanging out and our very special guest, we are pulling our incredible producer out from hiding behind the scenes to help out here. We have Luis hanging out with me today as, as my impromptu co-host. Hi, Luis. How are you doing, Katie? Happy to help as always. Doing great. I'm doing great. So this is going to be a different kind of show, Luis. So I think, you know, no holds barred. Normally we keep all of our Q&A to the end of the episode because we trim it out. We don't let our listeners hear all of the questions that happen here in the live chat on YouTube. But today, drop in all of those questions, everyone, because we are going to talk all about podcasting in general, video podcasting, how we do what we do. But we're going to answer all of your questions so that all of your questions and our answers, our hopefully great answers, can help out people who are listening who are not hanging out here in the live chat. As usual, I wish we had recorded our behind the scenes sound check because we were talking all about sort of like the logistics of it all. And you were giving me such great ideas for our test studio space. And yeah, we'll have to just do Maybe we'll just do like a, an episode that's just the behind the scenes casual, casual stuff would be really fun. Yeah, I do think we should have recorded it. That's, you know, something that, you know, we're going to try to figure out how we get those recordings before we go live, because that's also content that we could repurpose. And that's yeah. all part of everything that we do here, trying to maximize what we do. But 
I think that we could have a lot of fun today, just, you know, or maybe we could even go over the same things that we spoke about. So we can yeah. reference them, but there's so much that goes in the behind the scenes and the sound check, you know, that yeah. I always want to be able to share because there's a lot of good information <laughs> there as well. If you're new, or even if you've been a flow writer since day one with us, the flow and the format of this show is that we record live using Ecamm out across YouTube and we live stream usually for about an hour, an hour and a half every Tuesday, usually at 12 p.m. Eastern, but we switched it up. But our normal flow is that we stream, you know, we live stream. And a lot of why we do that for a few different reasons, right? It keeps us real. So on days like today where things are going a little bit wrong and we have, you know, team members traveling and everything is like a little bit up in the air. We still know we need to show up. We have flow writers who are here. They have questions that, you know, they're here hanging out in the chat. The second is that it makes the process really easy for us, right? So even if I say the wrong things or we babble on about things that are not super relevant, <laughs> we can edit all that out. And that doesn't necessarily have to be part of our final episode or replay episode or any of the audio that we send out to any of our podcast hosts. And it lets us, you know, test and play and see, you know, how video and live video and audio and all of these different formats can work together really cohesively. And it's a great starting point. So if you're sitting there and you're like, oh, I want to get into podcasting, but it really feels daunting. You know, I have to have all the right gear. I have to know what I'm doing. It has to be really heavily edited. It really doesn't. It can be an, a really iterative process. I was laughing with my friends this weekend who they've been like, editing their podcast, you know, a ton, they're doing a really great job. They were asking like how I was managing my personal podcast. Uh, my best friend and I do one on Thursday nights. And I'm like, I live stream it. And then I grab the video file and I just upload it. <laughs> I don't do any editing at all because that podcast for me is fun and needs to be like raw and authentic. And I don't really mind if we have ums and ahs in it or if we go off on a tangent, because I think really the point of that podcast is really just meant to be fun and to geek out over movies. And so I don't spend that time there. I'd rather spend my time on you know preparing the content, watching the movies that we're going to review, you know, making sure that everything looks and sounds its best over really deep diving and editing. So it's it's important to think through that that vision, right? Of what you're trying to do and how you're how you're going to accomplish it. We've done that a lot on the show. You've given us some great suggestions, Louise, on how like we can step it up and make it <laughs> make it a little bit better every time. Make it a little bit easier. I feel like we're all in the how do we make it easier, right? Well, I think that that's part of the human condition, so to speak. Like we're always not looking to be lazy, but to be the most efficient in everything that we do. Because even if it's something as commonplace as cooking dinner, we're always going to try to figure out the mise en place or the meal prep, something yeah. that we're going to do to try to make that experience or the chore that we have to do of cooking into the most easiest, efficient, flowing, you know, experience that you can get when it comes to everything that we do. The more that we do the podcast, the more that we experience this action, the more we start, you know, kind of grinding the gears in our mind and figuring out solutions to problems that only we are encountering because we're constantly doing this. For example, yeah. it was last September where I actually took over the duties for producing the podcast, which yeah. that totally changed the dynamic of everything that's been going yeah. on here because I feel it's made it a lot easier for you and Doc mm -hmm. to just, no matter how busy you guys are, which you guys are very busy, <laughs> <laughs> to still have the ability to just like make that phone call and yeah. call in and have the conversation and not worry about all the behind the scenes and the audio and the switching and the whole production that could be daunting to a lot of people and yeah. could be what put them off from starting something like this in the first place. Even though you guys had that, it made it even that much easier to be able to just take that off of your plate and just say, all I have to do is show up and have the the time slot dedicated to have the conversation with Doc. And then from there on out, everything else gets taken care of. And through the production aspect, I have the files right away, even though certain times I still wait for you guys to upload it. But when it comes down to it, if 
I really needed to produce something out of anything, I have all the files that I need to work with as soon as we're done. And that flow totally smoothed out a lot of wrinkles that we were having ourselves when it came to producing this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're not familiar with the concept of, you know, production or remote production, what we were doing prior is that Doc or myself was the one who was using Ecamm to actually, you know, schedule and set up the video, you know, and then actually run the show, right? So it was causing some level of distraction because when you are when you were the one who was operating the show, right? You're checking the comments, you're checking to make sure the sound levels look good, everything looks good on screen. You're doing that at the same time as trying to have a conversation and to co-host and get the content out. That can be a lot to manage. And also it means that if anything was to go wrong with my internet or Doc's internet or you know, something was to happen, then that would be it for the feed. <laughs> right? So it, it, we wouldn't have any kind of, we wouldn't necessarily have any kind of backup. So, so we switched it. And Luis is the one who actually is using, I mean, we're all using Ecamm, but Luis is the, is the one who's using Ecamm to actually stream to broadcast our podcast out. And Luis is just sitting behind the scenes. So he's not on camera. He's doing all of the kind of camera switching and scene switching. He's putting comments on screen and kind of making sure everything goes smoothly. But it means that if like Doc or I were to drop off, we'd drop off. Luis could just, you know, put up an image, change the scene so that it was just one of us and then work behind the scenes to get that other person back up and running while the other one was still off driving the show. It means that then the file wouldn't be destroyed and we wouldn't lose any of that content. And we have the backups, right? Because Doc and I are both still recording on our end. So we're creating a level of efficiency. We're also creating kind of a level of security if anything is to happen. Yeah, redundancy. Redundancy, right? We have all of these different files. And like you said, I think what's actually best about it is it also created this really wonderful experience and let us practice doing more robust tech checks, really kind of thinking through as a team, like, what do we want to get out of it? You know, what do you need to be able to edit these files to make them into a really effective podcast? You know, what do Doc and I need to be able to show up and really be able to focus on the content? It's just a really nice option. So if, if you can have a producer or have someone that's there and able to help who's kind of sitting in the wings, I just think it makes it better for everyone. And whether that's a friend or, you know, or someone that you're hiring, I just really do think that it, even as someone who feels these days pretty comfortable on camera and someone like Doc, who's on camera all the time and creating content all the time, it's still really nice to have someone who is just solely focused on making sure that the show goes off without a hitch and is there to remain calm when maybe you don't feel calm or things are, you know, going off the rails. So... Yeah, I love it. Dave says he hates being late. You're fine, Dave. And and reminder to everyone watching with us live, this is a mailbag uh, episode. So now is the time. Any kind of questions that are related to video podcasting, podcasting in general, gear, equipment, how to get started, promoting a podcast, you know, anything that kind of falls under that podcasting sphere, how live streaming and podcasting can work together, throw those questions into the chat. We'd love to answer them here so that other people can learn alongside you. So send them in. Otherwise, we'll, we'll just keep chatting. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, to be problem solvers, we kind of need problems. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we take care of the issues that we handle because that's our own personal flow. But what I've learned is that each person has their own setup, their own flow, and will probably have their own situation. So we will never encounter certain issues that you will have because we don't have your same exact setup mm -hmm. or same exact, you know, issue or requirement out of this equipment. So please let us know because that's one of the things that I love to do, which is actually try to see how I would handle somebody else's problem. <laughs> and I did this just earlier today uh, on a call with Miles and he was having a couple of issues and right off the bat, like one of them was like, your keyboard shortcuts aren't working. And that's something that's so random that wouldn't be particular <laughs> to a live stream yeah. or podcast or anything. But I was still able because it was part of his issues, his setup to mitigate that issue. And now he was like, dude, what you just did with the keyboard and everything, that's just that was worth all the time that we spent here. And it was just something that simple. So please let us know and um, we'll continue to chat because 
A, a thing that you mentioned that I do love is exactly that, that doc and you constantly working, constantly busy, constantly on camera and creating content. But it's also nice when you're just like the guest. Yeah. I also host the weekly podcast myself Yeah, uh, or, or my live stream. And when I'm doing it and I'm producing and you're bringing comments and you're reading everything, it could be a lot. And one thing that we always talk about is that life happens because something <laughs> yeah. could happen. You can mute yourself. You can get a random message or a program just clashes or opens up, you know, accidentally. Yeah. And all of that is good and fine because we're used to it because it's life. Mm -hmm. Like Aiden, my son, will constantly be asking me for something during a live stream and it's just what happens. At the same time, Oh man, I you see like life happens. I totally started thinking about my son and just totally blanked on the reason why I even <laughs> mentioned it. You see like life happens. Yeah, oh, no it it yeah. does. Yeah, oh, there you go. Go ahead. That that what I was going to mention was that you have the redundancies yeah. that no matter what's going on, even though I'm producing, right? You and Doc are still recording in the background and what you can gain from that is a simple fact that even though things go wrong, things could be forgotten and you can sphere off on a different tangent, you can still bring it back in the edit because let's say you were to drop off completely because due to internet issues, I would get a black screen and that's basically what I would have as my recording. But then you will also have the, the backup aspect of that your computer didn't lose power it lost internet so your recording is fine and then you're able to send that file back over to me to kind of clear all that out in the final edit yeah absolutely and that's that's a really important thing to keep in mind if you are doing this this kind of workflow right so if you're playing with the recording live you know wherever that's going you need to remember that if everything goes horribly wrong and the, you know, the internet the internet dies and you know and you're not able to get that stream out or the stream gets canceled you do still automatically if you're using ecam you have that level of redundancy where you have that recorded file so as best as you are able to you know take a pause or even you know pause that recording and then you figure out what you need to do take those steps a lot 99.9% .9 of all of this is remaining calm and remembering what steps you need to take to preserve the quality of your file of the broadcast of the guest experience of whatever it is you're trying to accomplish. So it's automatically a feeling of panic when something goes wrong, because we all want, you know, a really good quality, a really good experience for our listeners or our viewers, but you need to remember that there are steps you can take to solve it. There are steps you can take to solve it live. There are backups if you're not able to solve it live. And there's always going to be the opportunity if it all goes horribly wrong and every single thing fails that you can do it again. So it is really important to remember that. And the only way that you're going to get to that level of confidence is by going through it a few times, unfortunately. So the more you do it, the more you practice, the more it happens, whether, you know, hopefully it happens in a sound check where it's in a safe space and you can kind of talk through together what you want to do. But I had on my podcast, you know, my personal podcast, thankfully, so it wasn't <laughs> not high stakes for my my smaller <laughs> podcast. But, you know, I I do it at, in the evening. And so I had been like rushing. I had taken my kids out to um, to go see a play. So, you know, I was I didn't have the usual amount of time that I normally do. But I'm like, I'm an expert. I've got this down. Like, no problem. I have my studio set up the way I want it in my space. I came back in. I didn't have my Sony ZV-E10 camera plugged in. I always have it plugged in. I had unplugged it to take like the like plug to use it elsewhere. And I never plugged it back in, but they looked plugged in. The wire was going down <laughs> into what looked like the wall. So I figured it was plugged in. I'm more than halfway through the podcast and my screen just goes black. Like it just went black, but I could still hear myself. I could still see everything that was going on. We were still streaming and I looked and the camera, I looked up at the camera and I saw the lens going back in. It was turning off. Just kept letting Natalie talk. She was, you know, on a roll with what she was doing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, all right, no problem. You know, camera's off. I don't know exactly what's going on, but right now I can switch over to my FaceTime camera. So I did that. Switch over to my FaceTime camera, realized what it was, couldn't physically get up to get another plug to be able to plug it back into the wall. So I was like, we'll just finish this episode with my FaceTime camera. Not a problem. 
even though I was like looking here instead of here and here instead of here and looking in the wrong places, we still got the content out. It wasn't the level of disruptive that it could have been had I been like, oh my goodness, you know, my camera is down. I need to stop the stream, do it again another day. I could have interrupted Natalie and been like, something horrible is happening. I got to get up and get stuff. Remaining calm and figuring out what is the easiest way to keep going at a quality that I'm happy with is the best way that you can deal with those kinds of situations. And that took having that situation happen to me probably two or three times before I felt a level of comfort about it. So, you know, I think, I think it's just really important for everyone to remember that even if you've done this hundreds and hundreds of times, things are still going to happen. And the most important thing that you can do is fall back on those redundancies, try to remind yourself to keep calm and work your way through it as best as you can. Oh, we have some great questions. Yeah. yeah, we have a couple of questions, but that was a, an amazing story, a great example. <laughs> and another example is me just right before you did that, because I did not panic on <laughs> having a big brain fart. And I reverted to the previous yeah. conversation, which the point that I was trying to get across, I, I it hit me while you were talking. I was like, yeah, it was the convenience of not having to produce. While you're running all of these things and you have a thought, it's that simple how you can lose track of what you were doing mm -hmm. that I recognize that it's so much easier to be the guest. Oh, right? yeah. yeah. When somebody else is doing all the pulling and everything and you just have to sit there and listen and yep. answer and smile, yep. man, that makes it so much easier. So from producing my own live streams and then being guests on other people's live streams, you'd recognize real fast, a lot smoother, yeah. so much more convenient to be on the guest side, to just show up and be yourself. Being able to provide that for you and Doc is something, like I said, that we take off your plate mm -hmm. and makes it that much more fun. It's so much more fun to be able to just call in, hang out, and have a conversation for an hour than having to think about nuances of producing. Yeah, absolutely. All right, I'm going to flow through some of these questions here. Uh, Donald Weiser asks, uh, have you heard Ecamm can stream at five megabytes? I'm not exactly sure what the question is there. Maybe, Donald, you can give, you could follow up and, uh, and ask again in a slightly different way. Um, it could just be that I'm not quite as technical as Doc, so forgive me if I'm missing something that's important there. Uh, Bonfire Sports asks, uh, I am a solo creator utilizing screen share to different web pages, etc. Think a news presentation program. Okay, that sounds awesome. <laughs> Congratulations. What is the best way that I can stream it in 16 by 9, but make the repackageable vertical? Oh, I love this question because we are we have been playing around with this uh, at the flow. So you may not know. But we have been, uh, we, we quietly opened, <laughs> opened up a flow TikTok and we have been playing around with uh, editing and repurposing our video as vertical. So sa same situation as you, we are streaming right now in 16 by nine, but we are using that video footage to make it vertical. And Luis is the one who is helping us do the magic. So Luis, do you want to talk through just some of the, I mean, I guess as as simple as you can make it steps. I know you you are a professional editor, so obviously there's stuff that you're doing that maybe editors can't do, but are there some simple steps to take? Yeah, so you're saying as a solo creator, right? Mm -hmm. Utilizing screen share to do different web pages, et cetera. I think, yep. okay, just to make sure, repackageable for vertical. Mm -hmm. Perfect, okay. So how do you take it wide and make it vertical? I am going to do live demo mode right now. Mm -hmm. to basically take you guys behind the scenes. Okay, so now you're seeing what I see, and this is just so that I can bring in one simple little folder. Yep. So I'm producing the podcast right now, and this is what I see, as well as while I'm presenting, I'm going to go ahead and open up this folder here, which has the majority of my Ecamm recordings. When I go ahead and I do my recordings now with isolated video, available on Ecamm Live, you will get a copy of your recorded file here, which is basically everything on the on the production. So if you have music, an intro, the comments on the screen that you pull up, everything will be embedded into this file. But then you'll also get a clean copy of camera A and camera B, and you get to select which ones you want those to be. 
everything here is being recorded individually. This is literally just a test shot. And this is an individual file. You see, it's just 10 seconds of me testing. And that is completely separate from the B camera, which will be recording simultaneously there as well. The key feature that I want you to see is that it is in full size. Yep. Right now, as we're doing this podcast, as we're doing the, the flow podcast recording, and now I can just exit live demo mode. Even though we're blocked off here and we're two small little squares, at the end of the production, the file that I will have will be a complete full size image of Katie. Yep. A full size image of myself in individual files. And then that's where I would absolutely utilize the repurposing because you can take the exact content without all of the like pleasantries and all the beautification to it. And that core ISO file is what you would use to repurpose. Then you would take those two files and throw them into your editor and you can completely manipulate it by your desire. Yeah. And so Luis has, and this, I think maybe um, a process, this might be a great like full one for us to do an entire episode on to really show, you know, the steps of it. But what Luis ends up with as a result is that, so right now we are side by side because we're 16 by nine in the vertical video repurposing of this larger file, you're using the individual full videos from, from isolated video to stack us. So like, you know, in this case, I'm on the left, Luis is on the right, but I could be on top in a vertical video and Luis on the bottom or vice versa. And you're able to do that because you have those individual video files that don't have all of the graphics and format on top of them. So and to, to clarify it, what I did was I then basically recreated this graphic that we have here. Like a stacked version, a template. Yeah. A template of mm -hmm. the stacked version. Yeah. Then I would go into my editor. I use Final Cut Pro, but yours of your choice. Mm -hmm. And in the timeline settings is where you would adjust the way that you're going to be editing your video. And that's where you would select it to be vertical. Yeah. And you would take both files, you would put them on top of each other and basically center them out mm -hmm. the same way. And then you're going to throw your overlay, which is like your nice little neat packaging, which will square out each individual over it with that. the template yep. that is set up for vertical. Then you export and you have the files that you want. You can manipulate them however you like. You can make them bigger, larger, or let's say a certain part of the podcast, you had two people speaking at the same exact time, which tends to happen with the online, you know, like communication and a little bit of the latency. It could be that the person's key point kind of gets muffled because of the overlapping audio. And what you're able to do is basically mute one person or just highlight the one individual. So if Katie were to be speaking for a long period of time and I want to emphasize on an exact area that she's talking about, an exact point, I will basically remove Doc from the video <laughs> completely and then just highlight where she takes up the whole screen temporarily yeah. and all that could be done in post-production that's yeah. something that i could actually do right now so to finalize the point this entire clip where i explain that i can now take it in my editor and basically just highlight me and make myself be the only speaker on the screen mm -hmm. while i say that in post-production yeah hopefully that that made sense burn on captions or do other different things so yeah there's a lot of but i love the idea of being able to do templates because i think that'll make it really easy to repeat it every single time so i bet you we could probably even put together if it's of interest to the to the group you know some like basic adobe express or canva templates that people could use that are those ones that you'd layer over top of the video because that would i think give people a good start of you know what's what's possible as far as templates go but that was great i that's yeah. a question i've had too for Here, even here's a little pro doing. tip that i did on my uh, last live stream which is i take the templates or the layouts the the overlays that you're mm -hmm. seeing like this and i make them in canva very easily but the picture hole where you're actually going to have the camera feeding through. Yep. I just color that in green. Yep. Right. I color that in uh, green so green that, that could it. be green screened <laughs> out. Exactly. <laughs> so you leave the boxes in green and then that's just my template. So whenever I go to do the edit, 
I throw that file into my timeline, and then I throw the keyer or the chroma key remover from your editor, and you take the green out of it, and everything behind it will be displayed. And that's where you would take the clean files and adjust them and position them correctly because that's what will be coming through. And then you basically have your finished product. So whether it's horizontal or vertical, you can create those overlays very easily in Canva or your you know editor of choice. That's a great one. All right, we have a few other questions. Uh, so Tessie asks, when using virtual audio, does it have to be a mix minus setting that can be configured? That might be a question for you, Luis. I don't know if I know the answer to that one, actually. Okay, so when using virtual audio, does it make, does it have a mix minus setting that can be configured? If we're talking about specifically about Ecamm, I don't think so. No, yeah, Ecamm does. It depends on the unit that you're using. So you can have mix minus on like a Rodecaster Pro 2 and different audio interfaces like that. Mm -hmm. If not, you would be looking into... Not sure your exact scenario, but maybe the echo cancellation. Mm. That's something that could be found within Ecamm, which could help to mitigate any, you know, what we call slapback coming in through speakers while you're doing interviews. But when it comes to mix minus, that would be particular to the hardware that you're using. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really great question. And I think audio is just such a huge topic. And we all need to keep in mind that people like Luis and Doc, who are really great at this, have been doing it for years and years and years and years. And prior to, you know, even 10 years ago, the amount of skill and equipment and cost associated with being able to produce a podcast was like radio studios, right? So, so a lot of what we're able to do now is just amazing. So yeah, it's going to take us all sort of time to really figure out like, what are you trying to get out of it? What are those steps? How do you, you know, how do you get the best possible audio? What are the tools that you need to have? So that's great. Super great question. Uh, Kelly's on, yay. <laughs> uh, Kelly asks, do you know of a way to capture audio from a LinkedIn audio event? I'd like to plan it a way to repurpose the content as a podcast. I love that. I mean, I think a couple of things. I have not tried my uh, LinkedIn audio events myself yet. It's been on my list, but I haven't quite gotten there. But I would imagine that it functions pretty similarly to what um, Clubhouse did. And so you could certainly use Ecamm and just have that open and record on your end the video, right? And the, and the audio coming back in and use Ecamm to record it. Yeah, I think, I mean, or... Yeah, I wonder if I wonder if LinkedIn would eventually build out like a recording functionality to be able to save those. The one thing you're going to want to keep in mind, which you probably are already thinking about is if you are coming in. So if folks listening or watching here don't know about Clubhouse or LinkedIn audio events, the one thing to keep in mind is that it is a public space to some level where, you know, a number of people are coming in and having conversations. So if you are recording on your end using Ecamm or any of the other tools that you have at your disposal, you do need to be really clear either upfront going in or when you start recording that you are recording everyone in that room because there is a level of privacy that I don't think a lot of these platforms have fully figured out yet. <laughs> so in the same way that you need to have people opt into an email list, you do have to have permission and people opting into allowing you to record them. So I think you can use Ecamm to do it. And Luis is nodding. So I think he's about to explain the details of how to do it. But Ecamm through like a, an audio mixer would allow you to do that, right? Yeah. Well, there's a couple of ways. If you're able to open up Ecamm Live, make sure that through your preferences in the audio tab that the system audio is selected and on mm -hmm. so that you have the ability to record what your computer's producing. Right. So now so the, anything mm -hmm. that it sounds that it's making, when you press record, it's going to record that into your video file. Got it. But these are audio rooms, so you might not want to have a video of yourself listening for an hour when you're just trying to get the audio out of it, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. If that's the way to go, that's an option that you have with the equipment and Ecamm. But in this case, it will also benefit you to have a separate recorder like a Rodecaster Pro. Mm -hmm. Or in this case, I'm also using a Zoom Pod Track P4 as my audio interface. 
what this does is that it has its own separate recording in it. So anything that's being said by you or anything that's passing through it can be recorded into an audio file. And that big button that says record on the Roadcaster Pro, it's really big. <laughs> Just press that down while you're listening and using the Roadcaster Pro to listen to this audio program. It being an audio interface, as soon as you have it connected to your computer, it should be controlling all of your audio sources. <laughs> and if it's there, then it's as simple as making sure that that audio program that you're listening to is being displayed on the levels and press record on that recorder and you're good to go. Yeah. Then you'll have an audio file ready to be repurposed for podcasts, so on and so forth. Yeah. Here's a tip. Going back to what Katie said about the privacy with the recordings of these audio rooms, I would definitely tell you to put live recording in the title of anything that you're doing. And that kind of gives you that first um, initial kind of barrier of like anyone who comes and clicks into this room should know that this is a live recording and that it's going to be repurposed. So even though you have that anonymity, so to speak, that you would have on online spaces, that that would not be applied to that room. Yeah, that's a really good tip. And I, that's when I we definitely saw a lot of people using back when Clubhouse was more of a, a force. So it is a great way to be able to to use and leverage and repurpose a lot of that audio. But yeah, be really clear about what you're doing with it just so that you don't run into any any challenges from people who just didn't expect. We've got some great questions coming in. Thank you so much, live audience, for hanging out. If you are listening to this later and you weren't in the live audience, we do record this live on YouTube every Tuesday at 12 p.m. Eastern. We'd love to have you hang out. But if you are not able to or you just love the audio-only format, totally hear you. You can also send us email questions, flow at ecamm.com. More than happy to answer those. You can send them by typing them out or you can send videos into that email as well. We'll be happy to play them and feature it in future episodes. Great questions coming through here. We have another question asking if there is a solution to live streaming on TikTok with Ecamm. And then there's a follow-up question asking about live streaming and vertical. So I'm going to answer both of these at the same time because they're great, great questions. So as many of you know, in the video space, you can create video in this 16 by 9 format. So this kind of widescreen format, or you can create it in that vertical kind of mobile first format, right? A tool like Ecamm actually allows you to both record and stream in either of those settings. So it's, it's just a matter of going into whatever video recording tool you have in Ecamm. It's just a, it, within the preferences, you would just select that you're recording or you're streaming in vertical versus 16 by 9. I think you can actually also do it in square, but I don't particularly know why you would want to, but it's there if you want to. So there is that option. And as far as streaming out to a platform like TikTok, TikTok absolutely allows live streaming. It does have a threshold. So like many of these platforms, you have to have a certain amount of followers or a certain amount of time on the platform or content on the platform before that feature gets unlocked. If you have access to TikTok live streaming, it functions similarly to all the other platforms. It's not built uh, natively into Ecamm, but you can grab the stream key from TikTok and then you can use what's called RTMP streaming in Ecamm. So you would just select RTMP and Ecamm is your destination. And then you would grab the stream key from TikTok and you would drop it in. We have a few videos, I believe, on our channel. I think the ones that we have are talking specifically about Instagram, but it's the same functionality. So you, you know, you're able to grab the stream key from that, that tool or that platform, drop it into a tool like Ecamm and you will be able to stream there. So lots of options when you're creating video. And, and one of the reasons why we're big believers that if you start your podcast with live streaming, you've in many ways already done kind of both, both like the most complicated and also the easiest first step. Because once you have that video, think big first, right? So big picture first, you've, you've done all of the video work, which is often the most complicated. And then you're really able to take that and maybe, you know, convert that into a vertical video for promotion, or you're able to grab the audio out of that for audio platforms, you're able to use the transcript to build a blog post or a PDF, you're able to send sound bites of that into chat GPT and use it to create all kinds of like summaries or get additional questions from it or improve the YouTube description or all the different things that you can get from that initial larger, longer form content. And if it's video first, it's just easier downstream from there than if you're starting with audio or starting with, you know, a blog post or starting with something that is harder than to take that and build it into a video. It's easier to start it as a video and really as a live video and then 
format it all the way through, pull, you know, repurposing it along the way. So, but yes, you can absolutely stream in both uh, vertical or wide formats and you can record in vertical or wide formats. So both of those options are available to you. And as Louis said, you can start with a widescreen video and you can transfer and turn it into a vertical video. So you can do just about anything these days. It's kind of remarkable. It's all about how you can do it in a way that you can repeat week after week in a way that seems sustainable to you and efficient so that you're not getting to that point of feeling like you've taken on so much that now you're not able to do it consistently or to the quality that you and your users and your followers and your listeners expect. I just have to say that I have to give a big props to like Ken and Glenn, you know, KNG, because these guys are really so on the ball that we're getting these questions and it's very easy for us. To <laughs> I know, we're like, yeah, done. Ekam does yeah. that. <laughs> like, Ekam does that. Like, yeah, we, we already implemented that with Instagram. And yeah. one of the really cool features when I saw Doc make his videos on it was that even though you're broadcasting vertically to Instagram to TikTok and all these other platforms, you're still getting a wide aspect video recorded file in the isolated video. Oh, yes. It's giving you that file from the camera directly, not when it's already been set up. So even though you're broadcasting Mm -hmm. and it's being cut in vertical for the phones, Mm -hmm. if you were to go to Instagram on your computer, it will give you the widescreen because it's pumping out both simultaneously through Ecamm. So it's super cool that it caters to the device that you're watching it on and you still have access to your full files in the back end. Yeah, which is great if you're doing something like, you know, so let's say you're doing a video podcast and, you know, we're only YouTube, but if we wanted to, we could technically go to YouTube and TikTok or YouTube and Instagram. And as Louis said, you know, on YouTube, if I was watching it on my computer, on my TV, it would show up, you know, in the quality that we, that you would expect in the widescreen format. But if you're watching it on, you know, Instagram on your phone, you would see it just in that vertical format and everything would look great all the way through. But we would have, again, the kind of highest level video to be able then to reuse and, and use across a number of different ways. So. And Paul was kind enough to drop a video link showing how to use RTMP. So if you are listening and you're like, oh, I would like to do that, there are tons of resources available. The abbreviation that you want to search for is RTMP streaming. I'm like Michael, RTMP streaming. And that will show you how to grab a stream key, what's called a stream key from any of those different platforms and be able to use any, really any live streaming tool. We hope you use Ecamm, but any live streaming tool should be able to allow you to grab a stream key and be able to go out to any of those platforms. And there's tons of them. I mean, for the most part, many of us are, you know, staying or sitting on the popular platforms like, you know, YouTube and Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitch and all these spaces. But there are are many, many others beyond that, that all use that RTMP streaming and stream keys. So yeah, some great questions coming through. I'm loving it. I'm glad that we called this podcast the flow because I feel like Every time we go into these questions, even when they are technical or specific or based on gear or you know something, they do all go back. And I hope you're hearing this if you're, especially if you're new, but certainly if you've been at it for a while as well, it all goes back to like the planning and the workflows and the process behind it, because you can do anything these days. And most things you can do pretty cost effectively, like you don't need to have a ton of money, you can really create whatever you want to create, but you need to know the process behind it and how to make that process really work for you and really work for your goals in order to be successful. Because it's really easy to take on way too much and to, you know, and to try things and become really, really frustrated if you don't know what you want the final result to be. So, you know, what you want your your podcast to look like and to sound like, you know, who you want to reach, how much you want to grow, how quickly you want to grow. All of these questions are incredibly important during that planning phase and revisiting them is incredibly important. You know, think as we've said a number of times, how we started the Flow podcast is very different than episode, what are we, 32, I think today? 30, yeah. 32, right? 32 episodes in. And, you know, we've made those changes. We, we pulled Luis on as a producer, which saved us a whole bunch of time. 
We were actually writing blog posts off of every single episode that we did. And that was taking a lot more time than made sense for us. So we stopped doing that. We made a few changes to it. And we now, you know, we're, we're doing more with our video files instead with our clips and how we're sharing those and, and interacting with them there. So we've, we've made a lot of those little changes along the way. We've added a lot of templates in, a lot of process in to, you know, to improve things and to make it more seamless. But every time we've done that, we've said, what's working really well? Where are those pain points? You know, hey team, how long is it taking you to do XYZ step? How long is it, you know, how long are we taking to, think through different topics or how's our guest process looking? You know, do we need to make improvements there? I think it's really important. And Paul is saying, which I completely agree with, keep it simple until you have the basics down, then layer things on and see what Mm -hmm. you can add. But it's easy to do everything because everything is available, but really thinking through what is what's important to you and to what you're trying to accomplish is what's going to keep you on track. Yeah, that's like trying to mitigate or tone down the squirrel mentality of like the shiny (laughs) object (laughs) syndrome. Like, what's that? You know, and that happens to all of us. We see the latest and greatest and we're like, ooh, shiny. And we're thinking about it. But the way that I like to look at it is you need to reverse engineer what you want to get out of it. What's the end point? Exactly. What is your final result, right? What is the end point? What is it that you want to get out of whatever it is that you're doing? And once you have that in mind, you're saying, now, what are the minimum system requirements (laughs) that I need to get that done? And if you take that approach, right, you're going to be so much better off because you're not going to have an excess of things, whether they're physical or digital, that you're not going to use. Yep. And I mentioned this, I think it was the demo, the oh, okay yeah, demo, live that demo we did with yeah. Paul, yep. right? That it really sucks to try to sell something that you wouldn't use yourself, <laughs> right? Like right. when you find something, you're like, that was such a piece of crap, but I paid $200 for it. And now I'm going to try to get as much out of it back because I'm not going to use it. But I have to sell it to someone in a smile and tell them, like, it's a piece of junk. (laughs) It's it's really tough, right? To say, like, hey, I got got scammed for 200. So now let me try to push this scam on over to you. It's so hard to do that. That's why I take that approach of being kind of like minimum system requirements. And if you are able to get something a little bit better, hey, more power to you. But just know that it needs to fit your flow yeah. and do what you needed to do. And sometimes nothing more than that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Not always, but sometimes. Yeah. It's a, it is amazing how overcomplicating it, you know, it may seem like a really good idea. And then you know, it can cause just so much extra heartache, you know, having two cameras, three cameras, four cameras, that that's four cameras where things could go wrong, right? Like, or failure points, you know, yeah, more failure points. It's the same way with all the cool technology that's now built into, you know, cars and phones, all of these different tools, the more that we are adding into it, yes, they do all of these amazing things, but they do have a ton more failure points and a ton more things that you didn't constantly need to be updated or changed. And it's the same with Ecamm, the more features that we're adding into it, you know, the more things that could cause confusion that could overwhelm people as they're trying to figure out what they need to do. So even with a tool like Ecamm, where we've made it really, really easy, sometimes you have to close a few of those windows and focus on what you want to create that, you know, particular day and don't get caught up in every single thing that, you know, that something can do, make the, make the tools work for you. And if they are not working for you, get rid of those tools and find the tools that work, that work best for you and really try to keep it as simple as you can. I I have to tell you that that last comment really hit home. (laughs) I'm such a car person, right? And now cars have updates, right? Like, oh, did you update your car? Oh, I don't know if you have all the latest safety features or the latest and greatest. I'm like, what? I remember when you used to upgrade the car by the model year. Like, (laughs) hey, you got the new model? This one has cruise control. Like, now it's like... (laughs) Now cars have updates like your iPhone, and it is crazy. I do feel like I want that simplistic aspect back into the vehicle, right? Where you just turn it on and it works. And it's always like, I just, I want to say this. I know I say this probably too much, but it's always okay to change. It's always okay to make a change. Marshall is a great example of this. If you watch our uh, Marshall Creates series on YouTube, you know, Marshall has always had this incredible studio. We've done like 
tons of videos on how amazing and incredible his studio space was. And he moved. He decided to move his family from Baltimore to Florida. And they have this completely different space now. And for a while was staying in like different Airbnbs as they were, you know, figuring out where their next steps were and where, you know, where they were going to settle down. And, you know, now he's like all of the things that were really cool and people really loved about that studio space didn't actually work for him. Like it looked really cool, but he wasn't using half of the stuff that was there. You know, he really wants to change up how he's doing it. And so he's just rebuilding and he's he's taken note of all the things that work really well and all the things that didn't work so well. And he's just walking through the process. And I love that he's doing it publicly so we can all learn with him throughout that process. But even if he wasn't, I just think it's really good for us to all say like, hey, you know, just because you built it a particular way, even if it's working to some level and people really like it, if it's not working for you, it's not worth it. Make it, you know, make a change and make those tweaks and it's okay. You're not failing or, or doing it wrong by saying, oh, I've reevaluated this and now I actually I want to move my camera over here. Or I thought about it and actually like I didn't need this giant light that I bought. So I'm going to sell that and, you know, and reinvest that into a different tool or really constantly evaluating kind of where you're at and if it's working is really important. And it's something I think we as a team do really well at, at Ecamm and certainly on the flow. But it's just a good reminder for all of us that I think sometimes we think that it's like, you know, it's got to be this way because I've invested this time and I've you know said that my space looks this way or said that my podcast is doing this thing. You can make those changes. No one's going to no one's going to judge you for it. No one's thinking that you've failed if you make some changes or or switch it up uh, to to be better at what you're doing. I think it's really important. Last questions here. As usual, I blink in our hour. <laughs> well, we <laughs> so do have stuck. this one that I think we skipped over from Roy. It says, uh, from Oh, no, podcast, Roy, I'm sorry. It is simply the audio from my video. I feel bad not removing references to stuff on the screen. Oh, this is this is a great question. Do other, yeah, do other editors edit out you know, s- some of those aspects where it made sense on video, but maybe doesn't make sense on audio? I think that this is a really great question. And I am doing that for my personal podcast. So as I, as I said at the beginning of this episode, for the podcast that we're doing, because I know I have an audio only listeners, and I'm not doing any editing whatsoever of that video file, like I'm streaming, and then I'm just taking that through and sending it. I, I try to be a little bit cautious of talking through or saying out loud things that I'm visually showing on screen. And we do, we try our best to do the same thing here with the flow. I think if you can get in the habit of doing that, then it doesn't matter as much whether or not you're editing or spending a ton of time editing those things out. If there is an episode where it's just really heavy on visual demonstrations or something that you're really walking through, you might want to consider not releasing that out as a podcast episode. And maybe you just record some quick audio that says like, hey, you know, we just released episode 36. And you know, we did a really like hands on workshop. And if you want to catch all of the details of that, I urge you to join us over on YouTube or Facebook or wherever your video is sitting so that you can see through everything. And if you have any questions about this topic, you know, I'd love to hear from you, send it over to my email or whatever your your connection is for people to reach out to you, you could have a separate kind of mini explainer as to what you did audio only episode to point people back to the full video. But I don't think that that means you have to change your process and be heavily editing your video. I think you just need to approach the audience a little bit differently, keeping in mind that a listening audience is just going to be a bit different than a video audience. That's my answer anyway. I don't know what you would say, Luis. What do you think? I think that was great advice. Just for instance, like to add to that, try to be as narrative as possible. Mm -hmm. Like if you're a narrator telling a story and just try to have that in your conscious, in the back of the mind, that if you're showing something, it's kind of like show and tell. Mm -hmm. But in podcasting, you need to tell because you cannot show. Because you cannot show. Right. But as an editor, I do edit the podcast. And unfortunately, there has been times where I have cut that out. It's on the floor. (laughs) Right. Because it's completely visual. and it's like snip snip and it's gone and then the hardest part for me is to edit the transition from like Mm. two completely different parts of the conversation and make that flow by removing it and not being just like jarring from one conversation no explanation and then the next question or the next conversation point yeah that's the whole thing to try to see if you can fix it by making it in a comprehensive audio experience and if you can't do that then you might just need to remove that whole section or like katie said make that one a just a visual only podcast where you 
only direct the people saying, hey, sorry, here's the link. It's a demonstration and you would need to see it. There's no way to make it audio. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say the question back to you, Roy, is do you want to edit? Is it something that you want to do? If it is, then you know take those steps to work towards that. And if it's not, then just make a couple of tweaks to how you're sharing the information initially so that you can appeal to both those audiences. Um, but yeah, I would say, you know, there's no, there's nothing that says you, you have to really, I mean, it's, it's your podcast, right? So hide your, close your ears, cover your ears. <laughs> I'm going to share this with you guys, right? Because this is something that hit me today. And I was like, the difference between like, just producing, like you say, you have the conversation with, um, with your friend on Thursdays, yep. the VHS podcast, no edits because it's just conversation out the door. Yep. Me. I would consider myself an artist, yeah. right? Because the acronym is anal retentive tendencies, so, you know, and that art, yeah. <laughs> like I have to edit, like yeah. I have to just like, no, let's remove that. No. And those tendencies, my art is what makes me do all those edits and be like, you know what? I couldn't make it comprehensive and I'll do it, but that's 100% my nature. And that's my own personal problem. You know, so. That's honestly why I'm not doing a ton of editing on the VHS Club podcast because... It's just a conversation. You know, I only have so much time and I'm lucky enough at work to have you as my editor. So even though it would be really fun to learn how to edit and probably beneficial in a number of different ways, that would be taking my time away from other personal and professional projects that I would rather do. And so I, it was funny because I was listening to friends talking about it was taking them all weekend to edit this podcast, you know, they because they really just really wanted it edited. And, you know, but it felt like it was this added pressure of something that they didn't really want to do and didn't really actually need to do. Like if they made a couple of changes or just agreed that it was okay if it was a little bit more raw, it would probably be a relief. But they have this pressure, as I think many of us face, that like it needs to be perfect. You know, it needs to be in this particular format that we've heard when we were listening to radio shows or, you know, or some of these other like very, very produced podcasts. And that's fine if that's what you want to do, but then you need to accept that that's going to be that amount of time. If that's not really what you want to do, but just what you think you should do, it might not be worth it. You know? <laughs> so like, at least not for a personal podcast is all I'm saying. Like if everyone out there is, you know, working on like professional work related podcasts and you have a very set goals and you have, you know, a management team that is you know, watching you in a budget that, you know, you need to, to be hitting totally. I absolutely get it. Then hire an editor to help you out with it or, you know, really figure out how you can do those skills. But I think a lot of us do it because it's the quote unquote thing we should do. And I, I'm, what I would say back is, is it, does it need to be, <laughs> or is it, or are you just thinking about it too much? Yeah. Back to that minimum system requirement, <laughs> exactly. right? Like, do you really need that? Is that exactly. what's stopping this from being produced? And with me, unfortunately, it is it's a, it's Luis, a personal problem. Yeah. <laughs> like it's that thing that you say, like, you know, when you see something, you can't unsee it. Yep. That's me with editing. Yep. Like I see something like, I, I know I have the power to fix it. So I'm going to have to fix it. And that has to do with my art. It, it does. Also, I would say that in your case, your whole brand and what you're trying to, you know, to convey and to teach people and to share and your passion is on camera quality and videography and editing. And so you're sort of in many ways, <laughs> not to support your, your art, but, but I think like your, your art is also part of your brand and what you're trying to convey. So I would say in your case, it actually does make sense. And I think being meticulous about it also allows you to be able to answer questions like you did today on this podcast and, you know, be an expert in that field and help others who are trying to get into that space, know how they can consistently release quality content. And maybe, you know, how can we as perfectionists find those like time-saving hacks in those spaces? But yeah, understanding, I think we're what your goals are and what your passion is and you know where your what your art is <laughs> what your art is is important i literally came up with that <laughs> this morning I and it. i was like that is so awesome that needs to be on a shirt it does but that's why i said i yeah. was gonna share it with you guys because it was fit perfectly i'm like yes support your art right <laughs> shirtable shirtable i love it uh all right i last question and then i'm hoping that paul can help me with this last question is seeking clarity in essence, we can live stream in either horizontal or vertical, but there is no way to reformat the Ecamm elements live for each. 
if I'm understanding your question correctly, there is currently no way if you are live streaming in 16 by nine horizontal format to switch the formats back and forth while you're living. So you, you, while you're living, while you're live streaming, (laughs) there's no way to go horizontal, vertical, horizontal, vertical. You can't switch back and forth. That That is correct. You can opt for one or the other. If you opt to stream or record videos in vertical format, Ecamm will still save the widescreen format. So like if, if you're trying to, to switch back and forth between the two of them, I would suggest playing around and testing with streaming or recording video in vertical format and seeing what the output and that experience is like. You're going to have to kind of watch, you know, what's in that vertical space versus what's outside of that vertical space. But Ecamm will record or stream in the wide version to the platforms that support that and the vertical versions to the platforms that support that. So hopefully that answers your question. Again, testing and practicing and playing is really important to try to get that output that you're looking for. But that would be my answer to you, Bonfire Sports. (laughs) Thank you so much for hanging out and for asking all of these amazing questions. The only other thing that I would add to that is just it also depends because with Ecamm, another little added feature is that you can multi-stream. Mm-hmm. So now you can multi-stream yes. a wide angle aspect to YouTube yep. and then still multi-stream a vertical that yes. will be automatically converted to Instagram. Yes. And then you will still have your recorded isolated file once it's all said and done. True. So depending on the destination, whether it be Instagram, TikTok, so on and so forth, and how you're connecting to it, that will automatically convert your file that you're yeah. producing to its regulations. So like I said, if you're on YouTube, you're on Facebook, it'll be wide because that's their format. Mm-hmm. And then with the multi-streaming to multiple destinations, TikTok, so on and so forth, those will come forth to vertical on their own. Yes, absolutely. Ah, oh, we did it. Luis, we answered all of the questions. Thank you to all of our live flow riders for hanging out and asking such amazing questions. We will repurpose this into a replay video and audio format next week where everyone will be able to hang out and grab any of the content for this. You can always find our podcast episodes, flow.ecam.com. We are wherever you like to listen to podcasts. And you can also reach out to us directly by email flow at ecam.com. That's E-C-A-M-M.com. We'd love to hear your questions. We have what's called a volley. If you're not familiar with volley, it is an asynchronous video platform. It'll like actually record video questions <laughs> or video comments and chat back and forth with us that way. So if you have a question and you want to show us something or you want to send it in a video format, we really encourage that. You can find us on volley. And then huge thank you to our sponsors, Descript. We use this tool. I don't know. I think I use it every day, multiple times a day at this point. It is a easy video editor. It also helps us get our transcripts for our podcast so that we can use those for close captions, we can clip up our videos, and we can do a ton when you're able to edit a video like you edit a Word document is their slogan, and I think is really accurate to it. So if you're looking for simple editing, Descript is absolutely the way to go. And if you're still hanging out with us here, and you are in the live chat, I just want to remind everyone, hopefully Paul can drop a link for me. One of our Ecamm fan members, Hank, unfortunately suffered a huge horrible fire at his house and studio last week. So we are raising funds through a GoFundMe um, to try to help get get him back on his feet and help him get back to live streaming and recording video. So if you feel so inclined, we'd love your support. Uh, Thank you so much to everyone who has given already. It's just been as usual, just humbling to be part of this space. But um, but here's to Hank. We are going to help Hank get back up on his feet. The link is in the chat right now if you want to be able to support this cause. But we're just so thankful that he is safe and uh, are looking forward to helping him to rebuild. And huge, huge thank you to our friends both at Shure um, and at Algato who are also donating gear to Hank, which is just so incredibly nice. This community really does come together and helps in a variety of ways. So thank you to all of our flow riders. And then last, last update, we have Flowrider t-shirts that are hitting the Ecamm merch store. So we'll be able to do some fun giveaways soon. 
that if you can't wait for a giveaway and really want to go and grab one, they should be up on the site by, uh, by hopefully the end of today. You can find that at merch.ecam.com is where our merch store is. And we promise that you don't necessarily have to buy them because we will be giving them away as well. So looking forward to that and donning our fun, our fun flow t-shirts. <laughs> Luis, we'll make sure we get you one as well for your behind the scenes swag. <laughs> I'm excited. I didn't know that that was happening, you know, so that's cool. I'm going to check them out. Yeah, absolutely. Well, from all of us here and from Doc, who is angry that we changed this day and time in San Diego, we miss you, Doc, and we'll see everyone next week. Same bat time, same bat channel, 12 p.m. Eastern, even with the time change, 12 p.m. Eastern here on YouTube if you want to be in our live audience. Otherwise, catch it whenever works for you, either on YouTube or swing over to your favorite podcast player. But thank you so much, everyone. Bye. Bye. Calling all campers, Leslie Samuel here, your camp director, back again to get you pumped up for something awesome. It's that time again. It's time for Creator Camp 2024. We took everything you loved from last year and stepped it up a notch. Yet we're back and better and man oh man, we're excited to have you join us. Now you may be asking, what's in store for this year's Creator Camp? Well, let me paint a picture for you. Imagine an epic kickoff party where new friendships spark and old ones rekindle. Imagine rubbing shoulders with not just the awesome workshop leaders, but also the amazing Ecamm team. Imagine having interactive, hands-on sessions where industry leaders share insights in fields that you're passionate about. Well, you just imagine Creator Camp 2024. Reconnect with the Ecamm fam, and of course, meals and beverages are all a part of your journey with us. Expect exciting activities and local excursions. What is it gonna be this time? Wine tasting, scavenger hunt, an evening of stargazing? <laughs> I'm not telling, at least not yet. This year's Creator Camp isn't just an event, it's an adventure. The Ecamm fam is taking over Amesbury, Massachusetts again, and trust me, you wanna be right there in the middle of the magic. So pack up your essentials, your laptop, your camera, and of course, your energy, and gear up for an unforgettable escapade at Creator Camp 2024. We can't wait to see all your smiling faces back together again. We'll see you at Creator Camp. Let's do this.